Welcome to Rollmates, the D&D podcast where I teach my wife and you about Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Greg. And I'm Allie. And welcome to episode 11. Double ones. You know what I learned? What did you learn? That in Old English, 11 is shorthand for one left of 10. One left of 10? Mm Mm-hmm. Shouldn't it be one right of 10 because we do, we add from left to right? Well, no, because you use the, you, we use the base 10 counting system. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you count 10 and you have one left. Oh, shit. That's cool. Yeah. 12 is, 12 is kind of shorthand for two left of 10, but it's, it's English. (laughs) That's your fun fact for today's episode, yeah. I guess. You could use that in your in your game world. Yeah. And you speak old English. I suppose so. Uh, so yeah, I'm back. I my hit points were low last mm-hmm. time, so I, I had to take a long rest. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you were you had some levels of exhaustion. Yeah, I had a heck of exhaustion, so I had to take a long rest. Um, but I'm back now. And today we're gonna talk about um I wanted to talk about like, so I feel like we read a lot of D&D stuff, like we read from the books um, about the campaigns and we learn about the creatures and stuff. But when we play, when we have played in the past or when I've sat in on your games, um, sometimes people get um, like experience points or they get loot like at the end of a at the end of an adventure they find a chest with something in it or a character gifts them like a blade of magnificence or some some crap (laughs) how do you as the dm know first of all how do you know like what experience points to get that seems so arbitrary to me where it's like oh i did a thing and i get some points and then also like I know that a certain number of experience points levels you up, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know any of the math of that. Um, And I feel like that's something that could be intimidating to a new DM of like having to keep track of all those numbers and like know what they mean and then know, okay, now that you're level two, the XYZ thing changes. But then also like I know that the loot has to scale with the level, like you can't give a level two player, like level nine loot, but then what <laughs> constitutes level nine versus level two? Like what's the difference? So it's just all of the like kind of in-game rewards that players get. I don't really understand how that, how the economics of that system Work. works. Hmm. Um, I don't either. <laughs> what the hell? The, um, so the player's handbook and uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide and Xanathar's Guide to Everything, they have um, some nice little tables for um, divvying out experience points. And they have a chart for how many experience points to get to level two, to level three, and so forth. Um, And they use this complex algorithm where you take the challenge rating of the monster um you that determines how much of it like how much 
XP the monster has available for when you defeat it, and then you divide it amongst the party kind of thing. I don't like using XP. I know there are a lot of people who like to track experience points. Like it's, I guess, their way to know that they're progressing Mm-hmm. towards the next level do you think that that has value or do you think that that's a distraction i think because that seems like kind of a min maxi thing to do where it's like everyone else is role-playing and enjoying themselves and, the, and then yeah. just one guy in the corner like with like the thing you see in movies when someone's in jail for a long time and they have yeah. like tally marks <laughs> the the um uh i m- my perspective for uh role-playing games is the more you can take away the numbers the better the experience overall Mm -hmm. um i guess like there are some people who just want to know when they're getting to level two or level six or whatever um for me i prefer the milestone way of leveling in in that for milestones it's when you reach a certain story point or you've completed a certain event so like a difficult boss fight or you saved a town from uh, a natural disaster while fending off some air elementals or something like that like it, it is a significant event to where your party has they've reached this milestone it it feels like this natural escalation um and growth in your powers and you know with magic users you can like tie that event in like they absorb some of the boss's magic or um they uh, like the the warrior um tried this move he was trying to figure out for the longest time and he did it and that's what uh defeated the the boss and you know they've kind of like mastered the move or whatever um it's much easier for the dm to just keep track of it's like if they do this level up if they do that they level up um and then for the players it just that's that's one thing here's like if the players are taking notes on their XP versus on my story or like things that I give them that that don't on the surface have a tangible value and they're they're paying more attention to XP then to me that is a problem. Yeah. Um I feel like if they're more invested in the story, that's much better. And the milestone rewards, they they do kind of lend themselves to that. So then is it the if you if you are playing in a group of people that do care about XP? Because that's that's the way that you play. That's not necessarily like the way everyone does it. Is it the DM's responsibility to keep track of the players XP points like in a video game? You don't keep track of that. The game tree keeps track of it for you. It's like automatic. Mm-hmm. Typically, is it the DM's responsibility to keep track of XP and levels and milestones, or is it the player's responsibility to keep those notes? There needs to be um, communication between the DM 
and uh, the other players about it. Like, so the DM, they set the challenge rating for the encounter. So they know the XP, like you would have done it beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, and the players would keep track of it. My problem with XP a lot is that if there are players absent, then like people say, oh, well, this person wasn't here. Why are they getting XP? You know, or I did this extra thing with the DM. Why don't I get XP and stuff like that? And that's when things just start to get out of whack. If you're the DM of a game, in my opinion, it's your choice. It's not the player's choice because that is just another system that the DM needs to worry about and keep things fair. Whereas milestone is you got to the milestone, you did it. If you've been absent for four or five sessions, you don't level up, you're behind a level, which you could, you can always balance around it. Like one level difference isn't that big a deal. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to XP, I'm just like, what XP? Um, you know, save that for video games. So, so what what constitutes a milestone in your campaign? Like, what, um, what action or activity or like? Can you give me an example of a milestone that would bring the the the, the group from level one to level two? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a. Uh, a milestone, for example, is clearing out a town of marauders. You know, like a town was sacked. There are, you know, bandits or goblins or whoever looting the place. Clearing out that whole town, to me, would be a milestone. And, and that would be like a low-level milestone. Like that would be one to two. If you're like level 10... It's kind of an easy, you know, you've been doing this for months <laughs> and stuff like that. That's that's probably not too much of a milestone. Then what's a level 10 to level 11 milestone? So that... Like killing a dragon? Yeah, killing, killing a dragon. Hopefully you're not fighting like adult dragons at that point. But like, yeah, killing, killing like a young dragon, a hydra, um, a really powerful wizard. A lich? Oh, well, if the lich doesn't kill you first. Um, but yeah, the, but then it can go even further. It could be um, actually one of my favorite um, milestones that I've had in a campaign was the players were about level seven or eight and they were on the run from like a whole like null war ban. And so a, a pack of nulls, like, you know, six to eight nulls versus like five level eight parties, like that's no big deal. But they were on the run from like 40 nulls and it was through hazards. Like I had a whole chase thing. So they were like rolling dice to see if they got ahead, if they fell behind. Um, they were navigating this whole swamp. Then the gnolls like turned the swamp water into like acid. Okay. And then I like souped up the gnolls. And it was, it was a, this wasn't something they could legitimately fight their way out of. Like the odds were really stacked against them. It was fight when you can. 
survive when you must. And they did that and they managed to get away. And like, to me, that is a milestone. And so it's kind of like, uh, even if you didn't, you know, win, you know, defeat the enemy, you still gained enough like experience. And, and this was mixed in with other little encounters along the way, but there's been enough experience. You've been in a harrowing situation that you can get by. Um, completing an area like a temple, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe- like the mi- Amber Temple. Like the Amber Temple, yeah. Like completing the, the Amber Temple and Curse of Strahd, that would constitute a milestone. Love the Amber Temple, yeah. so nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It has my favorite room that I've ever heard of in D&D ever. Yeah, so um, I, I think clearing locations, um, surviving a very difficult encounter, defeating a, a boss, saving a whole city or something, I think um, definitely is a milestone. So then how do you reward players when they get to a new milestone? Like what changes? Um, so you give them presents. Yeah. The loot is good. Everyone loves loot. Um, most common is, you know, currency. So like copper, silver, electrum, gold. Um, whether or not the party uses that currency, uh, is up to them. Sometimes they just have big bags of gold just (laughs) sitting in their pockets that they forget about. Um, But also you could throw in gems. Uh, Gems are nice because they are a, they um, are valued more than their weight Mm -hmm. in gold kind of thing, so it's really easy. But then also some spells use gems. Uh, Resurrection spells use diamonds. Um, you know, there are some summoning spells that will use like amber or alexandrite or, you know, an emerald or whatever. Um, so gems are really nice. And then the players, if they're proficient in jewelers tools, they can, you know, make jewelry or something, maybe craft a magic item out of those gems. Um, there's also the, you see it a lot in the game and I see it underutilized a lot, but like valuable objects, like Mm -hmm. art objects. So, you know, if you've gone into some area like a lizard folk village or something, or, or you fought some lizard folk and one of them was carrying a totem Mm -hmm. on them, that totem might not have any magical, you know, uh, qualities to it but it could be very valuable it could be well made well crafted um and there could be you know there some cities have museums some you know wealthy nobles like to collect this stuff so those are just all useful things and it adds a little bit of flavor to the world i remember giving a player a um it was like a a carved um effigy of um or sorry, a car, yeah, wood carving of a goblin god that was like a nameless god. It was lost to time or whatever, but it, it had like a mohawk and it was like, a, it was the crazy one in battle kind of thing. And they love that stuff, you know? It's, it's, 
another way to give players uh, information about the setting without it being an info dump, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. What about like, um, like weapons? Weapons. Like, um, like a Dawnbreaker sword or like, I don't know, like, when do you start giving them like, cause I feel like if you're like level 15, Mm -hmm. And at the end, it's like, oh, you get a bag of gold. You're like, all right, come on. Like, yeah. I want something yeah, like, yeah. shiny and fun. And mm -hmm. like, because you could just go buy. I feel like you could go buy a weapon. But it's like, it's way cooler to like, the end of the temple, you crack open a giant chest. And it's just <laughs> overflowing with like, shields and, and armor and like, all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Amulets. Um open open the tomb of a long dead warrior and he's yeah. buried with their their weapons so you d do you just like kind of look for story opportunities for that i do um there's in the dungeon master's guide they have um they have tables for magic items and and like gold and stuff like that for depending on what level the party is, you should roll on these tables to kind of to determine what loot. And the tables are organized by like least powerful loot to more powerful, which you can follow. And that is sometimes helpful. Like maybe there was a moment that you didn't anticipate being so epic, but the party somehow made it that way. And you want to just like quickly roll for a random treasure or something. That's nice. Um, I like to choose my loot depending on the location where they're at um, and if if it's helpful to the story. And the players will make use of the magic items as they see fit. I was lamenting before one of my players joined as a barbarian. I just had all spellcasters. I'm like, all the swords and spears and hammers of cool magic items I can't give them. <laughs> They're going to go to waste. They're going to go to waste. But then I, I got a barbarian. So I'm like, yes, now I can give, you know, like the leather armor <laughs> of resistance or whatever. What do, you, what do you do? Like, say you have two barbarians or two, I don't know, fighters, whatever. <laughs> and you give one of them a sword and one of them a shield. I don't know. You give them two different loots. And like one of them is like, man, I wanted that the mm -hmm. thing that the other guy got. Like, do you just let them work it out in character of like, oh, like, you know, you could ask him, do you want to trade? Or like, because I feel like it with um, like the D&D &D horror stories and stuff we've heard online, like wasn't there one where this guy got really pissy because he wanted <laughs> yeah, a yeah. particular... Uh, like item or artifact that someone else got and it just yeah um so that's where you gotta you really need to understand your players play styles and then even if you have two fighters or two wizards um you need to see how how they play if both wizards cast fireball over and over and over because both of their players just like blowing things up it's a little bit difficult to figure out what kind of different loot to give them because 
you know, they might just want the same thing, but you have to look for those little differences. It's to me easier for a martial character. So if you have two fighters, for example, it's a martial character, like uh, the characters who go in and hit things. So like rogues, fighters, oh, barbarians. I didn't know it was called that. Yeah, yeah, marshals and casters, oh. in unofficial terms. Um, Gregory terms. Gregory yeah. terms. Yeah, I, I and I mean I guess their name because uh, most uh, well pretty much yeah most of the martial characters are proficient in martial weapons. So the martial weapons, mm. for example, you have this like a simple weapon would be a mace, but a martial weapon would be a warhammer. You know, like anyone can kind of just swing a club around, but a warhammer, you need a little more finesse. Wait, so you said mace. That reminded, can I tell you about something? Hmm. I recently saw, um, I think it was like a Tumblr post or something where somebody was like, what if you had an Iron Maiden where instead of the spikes, it was like hands? Like the hands would just like you would be exactly you'd be trapped in this like box and all these hands would just like touch you all over and then it like snowballed people like oh what if you had this weapon with that what and then my favorite was somebody had a mace and instead of the spikes it was just it was just hands (laughs) it was really gross anyway yeah I like enemies that have to roll fear yeah I like creative weapon designs um I do too um (laughs) and sometimes I make my own. Uh, but yeah, so for, if I had two fighters for, for instance, usually a player will, or the two players will be like, I like to wield two handed weapons. And the other is like, I like to wield a sword and a shield. So that's easy. Two handed weapon person is getting a maul or a great sword. Sword and board guy is getting either, you know, a, so you, a magic so shield gonna, or so you're gonna customize the loot to your player yeah because uh, because then some loot just they won't use yeah. you know what um, if there's loot that's specific to the story like yeah like there's the big bad and they break into his like inner sanctum and they defeat one of his goons and there's a chest and it's some of like the big bads like like his armory or whatever and it's specific to the do you do you then have to like change it no i don't if you if you if everyone goes into curse of stride being sorcerers i'm sorry (laughs) uh i'm giving you um the the dawn sword or whatever i'm not turning it into a dawn staff (laughs) i'm sorry you all made the decision for whatever reason yeah um you went into a horror game as all spellcasters so i guess there's like two kind of classifications of loot of like story bait or like campaign specific loot Mm -hmm. and then just like whatever the heck the dm wants to like just presents for the players basically yeah and it's like some of those random uh loots or some of some of the loot that isn't specifically tied to a player um i've seen players kind of like pass a magic item around mm-hmm. um just because some magic items they don't require attunement so that what is attunement so attun- don't know. yeah attunement is basically um 
you spend a short rest with the magic item, like, you know, focused on it, trying to ascertain its qualities and, and figure out like what it can do kind of thing. And then you become attuned to it. And so you can wield it. You, most characters can only attune to three weapons, attunement or uh, three magic items. Cause magic items that require attunement are typically stronger than just general magic items. So the ones without attunement, I've seen players like kind of pass around to each other, but even ones that have attunement, but maybe, so for example, let's say uh, my fighter who uses, um, who, who likes to fight at range with a longbow. Let's say I give them a trident of fish command. Um, that sounds goofy as hell. <laughs> it turns you into Aquaman. You yeah. you could you know control fish, but let's say I give them that. Um, they may not use it all the time. It's it's yeah. If they're a going good... through a forest or something, they probably can't use it. Well, they they can't use the you know uh, animal friendship for fishes part, but it's still a I think a plus one trident. Like it, it adds to the attack and damage rolls, so they can still use it if they're in close combat. You know, it's not useless, um, but that's just you know an interesting item that they have now, and and they could they could use it if the situation calls for it. So what do you do for a campaign that's kind of like a homebrew or a specialty campaign that's like not classic D&D? Like, so for example, you've done a lot of Star Wars, like mm -hmm. Sith type of stuff. In Star Wars, if you're a Sith or a Jedi or whatever, you have your lightsaber. Mm -hmm. That's kind of it. Like when I think of all the Star Wars movies and shows and stuff i've seen like nobody ever gets like a it's like ships mm -hmm. or, or you know aircraft or lightsabers are your like toys yeah. and there's not really much of anything and i guess there is currency that people use so like if you're doing a sith campaign or just a, a, a star wars campaign jedi sith everything what do you then develop for loot for that or like yeah for a world where there's not really um loot to be had yeah so the i mean the creators of like those star wars rpgs realize that and i mean for lightsabers they have different kinds of crystals that add uh different um you put crystals in lightsabers yeah that's how you channel the the light blade like well, i don't in, know anything that inside is. the hill is a is a crystal i was just Jedi oh. magic. That's why, like Kylo Ren, his crystal is cracked. That's why the blade is like so erratic oh. and stuff. I thought which it was, I always thought was cool. I thought it was just midichlorians. No, that's in people's bodies. <laughs> um, Are you, you're saying that's not the answer to everything? That's not just the explanation of it all. Can be Jedi magic. It can be. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as hung up on midichlorians as a lot of people. I, know, I was. I was yeah. told um sigh but yeah no so even even beyond that so like if you use something like call of cthulhu which there is some magic like esoteric eldritch magic or whatever but even if you go in into the more 
um, non-magical side of things, and there's non-magical D and D settings. Sounds boring. But um, all loot doesn't have to be magic items. Like uh, you can throw in tool toolkits because not everyone starts off with tools, even if they're proficient in them. So you could leave a set of uh, thieves' tools lying around um, that could give the player an opportunity for their downtime to start uh, to like train to develop a proficiency in those things. If you're curious about downtime, go back and listen to episode 10, by the way. Yeah, starring just me. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, there. so there's non-magical loot that is still helpful, you know, healing kits, um, any any kind of tool stuff, but then even like Dungeoneers packs, which, you know, will come with torches and like, you know, rope and pythons so it can help you navigate things uh, much easier. A lot of that typically is a low level loot, but even, um, for example, plate armor costs 1500 gold pieces. And, you know, getting plate armor, even if it's not magical, is like the pinnacle of a fighter or a paladin. Like they will they will praise you forever for giving them that plate armor. Um, so even in other RPGs that aren't on the magical side of things, there are still useful things. So like in Call of Cthulhu, a shotgun you know um, what if you're playing a game that's um like so like you're doing a, a lovecraftian campaign or you were recently i don't know if you're still doing it what if you're doing something that's like very role play heavy and not very combat heavy because mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of loot is like armor weapons or like magical items that would like help you in battle like help you summon something or heal faster whatever mm-hmm. what if you're doing more of like a mystery yeah, so so there's so in D and D there's like a disguise kit Ooh. helps you you know with that. There's a forgery kit, uh, kind of thing. I guess I'm it, just not a creative person because I'm I'm sitting here thinking like, well, what would you like? I I you, could not think of that. You you might find um the you might find a cape belonging to you know the local lord's personal guard that now you can pass off as kind of thing um in yeah in like uh call of cthulhu that's like really role play heavy you could find um it could be research notes that uh lead you further along and or or they might uh kind of like a treasure map lead you toward better loot Mm -hmm. or something um or it could be a uh if you complete a task and you go back to the patron or whoever gave you the task and they basically sign a blank check to whatever materials you need from such and such vendor kind of thing, that's helpful. Which leads me now into titles and lands and renown. Oh. You know, if if you do a really big task, and let's say the you Lord, get to be Lord of Winterfell, 
maybe not but <laughs> um but what if it is what if it is like a minor lord or or a, or someone who has mismanaged their money they don't have a lot to offer but they said if you require my name on a document or you or if you require me to or you need me to give you a letter to let you into this exclusive place you have it Damn, kind of thing that's cool. or giving giving a player a title making them a knight or making them you know a minor lord or lady or giving the party a title like giving a party you know the defenders of winterfell winterfell <laughs> or the def or you know the saviors of Winterfell. Winterfell. <laughs> um, but even like the Fellowship of the Ring, Damn. people are going to know who you are. The um, Order of the Phoenix, you know, that's like. That was a secret society, though. That was a secret, a cult. <laughs> um, but like giving, giving the party a group name, um, which. You know, a lot of parties kind of come up with their own group name, but hearing it from someone else, yeah. you know, even like if, if you walk into a, a new town and yeah. they're like, oh, you're the, the saviors of Winterfell. Yeah. Even if it's from like these farm children who just saw you, you know, kill a frost giant or something and they just go into town just ah oh, this slayers of giants or whatever <laughs> then it's it's exciting number one and then number two sometimes um sometimes the players really like when an npc bestows some epic title upon them because um that has some meaning towards the campaign and it, and it gives this uh, it, it, it makes the world feel a little bit more alive because it's you know the npcs saw what you did mm -hmm. and you know they came up in their mind like you know this is who these people are and so that kind of renown um can grant players access to places they normally wouldn't get access. It would give them more resources they wouldn't normally have. Um, if you want to belong to a faction, like in D&D, there's the Harpers, Emer Emerald Enclave, Order of the Gauntlet, Lord's Alliance, the Jintarum. Um What? There's the five factions. I never heard of any of that before yeah you have okay so we're gonna have to do an episode on the five factions because you've never mentioned any of that before so i have sure. questions sure um but in in a lot of even in homebrew people make up their own factions and stuff like that that uh players might want to join um, so building and renown in those factions, it's kind of like in Skyrim where you can join, Dark um, Brotherhood. Dark, yeah, Dark Brotherhood or the, uh, College of Winterhold, mm -hmm. um, and, oh, the Thieves Guild and mm -hmm, Riften, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that could lead to more quests and, and all that stuff. Cool. Another thing oh lands which it's, it's for downtime i guess if you want to yeah 
start a flail snail farm on your land. Yeah, if you want to start a flail snail farm, if you want to build a stronghold or, or you know, just a, a home or whatever, it's nice, but it's this has to be for a play group who has playing a campaign for like years because yeah. there there will be enough time to go back home to do whatever but if if you're trying to if you're trying to do a campaign that takes like one year or something to do you're really not going to have time to go back to 10 10 year lands pay your farmers you know all that stuff to some people it's fun and i I mean some i i like i personally love downtime because it it creates this really nice juxtaposition it lets your character differentiate themselves even more but when it comes to yeah like managing lands and stuff it's save it for the end of the campaign you save the world you get a little spot and yeah. you live happily ever after. Um, and then uh, another form of loot is charms and blessings. You know, so uh, if you've done a great service to one of the gods uh, in D and D or whatever RPG, they might bestow a blessing, which. <laughs> A lot of, I think this is just a sign sign of the times mm-hmm. um, with, uh, you know, the increasing secularization. Or there are some players who are very religious and think that like even pretending to worship a god is, you know, uh, blasphemy, which is a whole nother thing. But um, I've seen a lot of players just like, their characters are agnostic or atheists or whatever. And I'm like, well, number one, in in D&D, if you're using like, you know, the, the lore, it's really hard to be atheist mm-hmm. when the clerics and like celestial warlocks and asmr are yeah they are clear obvious indicators that the gods are real like the empyreans are literal children of the gods so is that something you would say in a session zero if they're like oh yeah my character is atheist right it's like okay well you're like your your like companion your Mm -hmm. your partner in your group literally talks to their god like you can see and hear this happening like why would you why are you atheist like because i feel like that could be an interesting backstory like maybe they had some big crisis of faith or they had some huge tragedy which just makes them want to dismiss the gods and Mm -hmm. you know be in denial or whatever but would like how much would you push back on I would push back against the atheist part Mm -hmm. just because, so for example, and I think Guild Wars 2 did a great job. So you had the the Silvari race, which were relatively new around the time of the game. They were only 20 years old, Mm -hmm. their race. 
and they come out, they're fully formed, but they have no, no experience of the world except what other Silvari have experienced. But the thing is, is that the human gods have been so removed from affairs that they're just like, I've, I mean, you can say, like they'll tell the humans, like you could say your gods are real, but all I see you doing is channeling magic. Mm -hmm. And so this is a race that's only 20 years old. In D&D, it's like with the, but then in Guild Wars 2, the Char are aware of the human gods, but they have been enslaved by one of their like legions who've worshiped false gods for, you know, like centuries that they're just like, screw all gods. I don't care if they're real. I'm not going to worship them, blah, 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 blah. So those are ways of handling it. Like you could have a character who's just like, you know, gods have given me misfortune all my life. I'm not going to like pray to them or worship them. They may exist, but um, they have, I'm not giving them any, you know. I feel like there was a, there was a character in Game of Thrones who was like that because there was the whole like old gods versus new gods. Well, not versus, but like mm-hmm. some people pray to the old, some people pray to the new. And I feel like I remember a character who was like, who gives a crap? Like, yeah, they, they there not were done, neither one several has done anything of them, yeah. for me. So why should I give? Yeah, them? like I like that approach where it, it's not so much like that you don't believe in them. You're just like apathetic. Yeah, it, it's just it's difficult even to that. To, so, for example, your party member dies. You're all like level five or something. You, you don't have access. You might have access to revivify. I don't know, but you don't have a diamond or whatever. You need to resurrect them. So you're not going to like go to that God's temple and ask the priest and the priest actually resurrects them using that God's power. Well, maybe, you maybe know, the character, um, thinks that that is like unnatural like who cares if you can do it it's like wrong it could be but also your friend just died too yeah you know like well my point is though is that if if there are agents of the gods like in the in yeah, the setting, you can't have a character that just flat out denies that the gods exist. Yeah, and then and then even if even if they're like, oh yeah, they've shat on me my whole life or whatever. Okay, but there are still agents there, like heal, like legit healing people and raising them from the dead and and stuff like that. It's not like you know in the real world where. You can argue against that. (laughs) What do you do do with a player who is very personally religious IRL and like doesn't want to do doesn't want to go into fake religions within the game? Um, I mean, I'm just gonna say like the gods in D and D are real gods. You know, you don't have to. So, for example, there there is like a subsection in the um, with like clerics that they don't necessarily have to worship a god, mm-hmm. um, but they can call upon its divine power. 
and and to the god it's like you know this is just evidence of my greatness or whatever i'm gonna do these miracles um so like you can or you can have like a more agnostic cleric that's kind of tapping into the the weave which they call the ma- like what makes the magic and stuff like the divine weave anyway and doing it that way so there there are ways of getting around it but it's like if if i do have like a really like a a player who is religious and just believes that it's a blasphemous thing i'm like sorry <laughs> you know i like the the, I'm, the yeah i'm i'm just keeping the content here and i like that i like that there's pantheons yeah. you know i i think it's i think it's just a great part of the game um but yeah that went went off topic but yes charms and blessings so if you did some great work for a deity or maybe for a devil um they might bestow some gift upon you maybe there is a powerful uh, genie that you have pleased and they will bestow some magical aura upon you or something of that nature um and then finally i also like to hand out feats 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 f-e-a-t-s um not f-e-e-t-s no um feats it's like a mace with feet on it um they can be nice uh Depending on well, wait, what is a feat? So a f- a feat is like it's so at every a level four, eight, twelve, sixteen, and nineteen, um, a character can take an ability score increase, so they can increase one of their stats by two or two of their stats by one, mm-hmm. or they can take a feat. So a feat, and some feats might increase one of the ability stats by one, but a feat, it kind of further diversifies the characters by giving them more specialized abilities. So for example, the Warcaster feat is very popular among paladins and clerics that fight on the front lines. What does it do? So what it will do is if you are carrying um, a weapon in either hand or a weapon in a shield, you can still cast spells that require somatic components. So like, you know, if a spell requires you to wave your hand around or something like that, if both of your hands are full, you can still do that. Um, so it's like cheats. Yeah. Also, cheats are cheats. Yeah. Also, if you would get an attack of opportunity, you can use you can cast a spell instead of making an attack. Mm-hmm. So it's oh, and then also final thing, um, it gives you advantage on saving throws to maintain your concentration on a spell. Oh. You know, so if you're front lines, you're more likely to get hit. So Warcaster, it it demonstrates your aptitude for casting magic in the thick of battle cool. kind of thing. So sometimes I like to hand that out. Like if, if, uh, but only at 
level for it. Well, no, the, at, on, on those levels, the player can select them as part of their level up. Um, oh, but you as the DM can give them out a, an additional time? Yeah, That's like cool. like if I've seen a player, um, and, I, and I'll weave it story-wise, like if I see a paladin like three or four fights in a row getting swarmed by like multiple attackers and like in every fight they have maintained their concentration on different on like different spells even if they're getting attacked like they just got awesome rolls and stuff like that i'll i'll throw a warcaster right at them because to me it's like they've their their character has you know learned you know or found this force of will mm -hmm. in battle and so to the player i'm just gonna be like to me it's just a natural character growth you know like if if you're doing a task right and then everything gets shaken up the variables are you know random things are happening but you still remain so focused on it i feel like you as a person would like level up yeah like that like you have um worked that muscle yeah. so i like to give feats out as well um i think is that it that kind of covers loot that's a lot of different loots it's a lot of different loots and um some some players like some more than others. I haven't met a player that doesn't like magic items. Um, maybe some DMs don't like magic <laughs> items because they could sometimes break the game. Could you oh. give Could you give the party like a dog? You could, yes, a pet maybe. <gasps> wow. Um, like if they rescued some stranded animal or something like that. Uh, really quick though. Um, as far as giving loot at what levels to wear or whatever, um, typically I, unless under extraordinary circumstances, I would not hand out like lands until much later. Well, yeah, you said that. Um, yeah, but like for magic items, that's the one you really wanna pay attention to because they tend to be permanent. Um, so the book or the system has common, uncommon, rare, very rare, legendary, and then artifacts oh my gosh. as their levels. Um, artifacts are typically not meant to be wielded by the characters. Yeah. The, because these are just things that really powerful being like there's like there's like one of it in the whole universe. Yeah, like so take the wand of Orcus, the demon prince of undeath. If a character touches it and tries to attune to it, they need to make a DC constitution saving throw at 17. If they fail, they die. <laughs> oh my God. That's it. They die. So some of these artifacts are not meant to be wielded or for a limited amount of time, according to the story. Yeah. Legendary items, uh, according to the books, is 17th level or higher. Mm -hmm. Very r rare. You could start to give around like 
10th level mm-hmm. or higher around that 12th maybe but all this is in like the, the mm-hmm. yeah um rare you could start giving around five to tenth level depending mm-hmm. and then uncommon you could start handing out from first level yeah um so Beware giving too many magic items because the game is not balanced on the game is not balanced with magic items in mind. Your monsters, if you've prepared a monster for a fifth level party and that party has like a flame tongue greatsword <laughs> and an armor of resistance. Then you probably need to make it like two monsters. Yeah, or, you know, scale accordingly. Um, because magic items, especially things like the deck of many things or um, a, a ring of three wishes, these things can <laughs> start to break the game. Yeah. Well, thank you for teaching me about loot and XP and magic items. You're very welcome. I feel very knowledgeable. Um... So yeah, that's the end of episode 11. 11. And next week, we are having a super secret, very special guest on the podcast. And um, you're just going to have to listen to find out who it is and what the conversation is going to be about. It's my... Oh, I can't tell them yet. I... I just said super <laughs> secret, and you'll have to I'm listen I'm just excited. Okay, okay, I'm just excited. No, no, excited. no, we're not telling. Okay. It's a secret. So where can we find us? Where can we find us? We can find us at our website, which is rollmatespodcast.com. We can find us on Twitter, where we're not very active, but we're there. Rollmates Pod on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And you can find us on Patreon, uh, mm-hmm. patreon.com slash rollmatespod. And you can even find us on the podcast app that you're listening yeah. to. Any honest. any podcast app, you can subscribe or follow or whatever the button says. And um, we'll see you pretty much every week. Yeah. Hey. All right. Bye. Till next time, we might be able to play no, now. No, no, no. Even if I give no, you no, starting no, magic, no, no, I don't. No, 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 no. It's okay. Okay, bye. Bye.